This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Stories of my childhood flood my mind this week as I was preparing for this sermon. And I would pray even maybe for you that uh, as I start and get into the introduction this morning, maybe just kind of go back to some of those childhood moments. But for me, I... I was sitting in my office and going through writing things out and I couldn't help but think about shooting hoops in the backyard with my dad or throwing a baseball. Maybe it was a football, whatever it would have been. I couldn't help but think about waiting for mom and dad to get up on Christmas morning. You ever wake up early on Christmas morning and then you're like, you know, it's four or five or whatever time the kids wake up and then mom and dad are in the, in the bedroom. We think that they're asleep. They're really not. They're just as excited as we are. Um, but they would, they would uh, wait and then we would have to wait and read through the Christmas story. Anybody else torture your children like that? Where you're like sitting in front of all the gifts and they're like, no, we can't open any of those until we read this story. Now I do it to my children, but uh, stories of those, or maybe uh, for us, we would always do an annual Christmas party where uh, my parents, I have no idea who the guy was or how they got in contact with him, but this guy would dress up, he, was, he and his wife would come over for Christmas and they were Santa and Mrs. Claus and we would have family over and friends over and the, the neighbors would come over and we'd just have a big Christmas party, I guess if you would call it that, and maybe it was piling in a van Uh, with about 10 foot of luggage on top of the van from Ohio all the way to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The intention was getting there, and all of it got there. Uh, It did not fall off. That was pretty miraculous in and of itself. But uh, stories of that, or maybe it was something else. For me, it was just what you saw this morning, our family just sitting around a piano my mom playing and we would sing songs together. We would, uh, for as long as I can ever remember, we would sing. Uh, I have an older sister as well, and so the three of us and my mom would sing. Maybe it was for us going to Greensburg Baptist Temple. We would watch some Southern gospel music as children. Or it was uh, where we went to church at Louisville Baptist Temple, and that was the first time that I really remember Awana. And I remember for the first time ever inviting one of my friends to go to church was when I was at that church. And the list can go on and on and on. But as I think of a godly heritage and I think of so many different things, my mind was just flooded with so much this week. God blessed my family incredibly with parents who did what they could to raise us to love the Lord. We all have stories, we all have traditions of childhood, and so many of those things from our childhood, what do we do? We take them, and they become our own. I remember our first Christmas when it was Mindy and I, we didn't really have traditions, we got married, and uh, well, we're going to read the Christmas story, why? Because that's what we did. We do things that uh, that we did as children, and now we do them as adults with our own children. Those are traditions, those are a heritage that we have, and we begin to mirror those. It's also just that legacy that was left, it's that heritage that that was left. For some of us, I can say that I had a great heritage. I've been blessed by the parents and the grandparents that I've had. For others, you might sit here and you'd say, but my family wasn't like that. 
I don't have stories of my childhood that I would say God pointed me through my parents to the Lord or maybe they weren't necessarily great stories to which I would say by the grace of God today is a brand new day and just because you didn't have great parents does not mean that you don't become great parents. God's grace is sufficient. God brought you through what He brought you through for a specific reason and He gave you the children that He gave you and He gave you the family that He gave you. Start today. But as I go through these things, I've been asked as a youth pastor, a child, or a teenager asked me one time and they made the comment. They were frustrated because we were teaching about certain things and I was teaching on something and they said, but, but Aaron, you have the cookie cutter, perfect family. You are the one that lived in the white picket fence house down the street. To which I stopped out of frustration in some regards and I looked at that individual and I said, you have no idea what my childhood was like. Because see, my family, though we do what we do, my family wasn't perfect. We didn't have the white picket fence. We didn't have the perfect home. Here's why we stand here today. Because I had two parents who in the midst of torture and literal hell in our home decided to choose God and not themselves. Some of you know my family, and I'm not going through all of those things, but here's why we stand here in the way that we stand here. Because God performed a miraculous change of heart inside of our home when we were kids. That's why we stand here. Not because we lived in the cookie-cutter home, but I had two adult parents who chose God, not themselves. And they fought through it. And they got the, the, the need and the help that they needed. And, and so we look at some of these things. So many times we want to think, but we can't do that. No, you can do that. We can do that. And this morning, in the last several weeks, we've looked at a couple different statements. If we are to experience multi-generational faithfulness, we must come to a place where we throw off the shackles of our culture and live in the fullness that is found only in Christ. My prayer again this morning, I've said this for the last two or three weeks, is that we would throw off the shackles of our culture and we would begin to live in the fullness of Christ. The, the devil is a liar. Period. And he wants to destroy your home. I gave you the quote, Just a, I think it was... Three or four weeks ago, I don't remember what it was now, but I gave you the quote from the leader of the feminist movement back into the early 60s who said the goal was to destroy the family. The goal was to destroy the family. It's not an accident that we watch what we watch and we see what we see and that our culture is going the way that it's going because all of the blurring of the lines is intended to destroy your home. It's been from the beginning. And this morning, as we go through these things, I'm going to go back to a passage of Scripture that we've looked at for the last, I believe, three weeks for sure. But it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with your strength. Listen, I promise you this morning, mom, dad, husband, wife, however you sit in this room today, widow, widower, Listen, if we strive to know God and to love Him with all of our heart, with all of the might that we have, I promise you this. One, it won't be perfect. I can guarantee you that. But I can promise some of the things, the joy, the abundance that God desires for us to have, 
will be there. The joy, the peace. Listen, I don't have to have all the things the world tells me that I have to have to have joy and peace. It's not all those things that bring happiness. I've sat beside far too many bedsides, as probably many of you have. I was just talking, I think Murray and I were talking about this just the other day at the at Schemos or whatever, and he said, he asked me a question, I don't even know how it came up, but you know, I've sat by so many in the, in the bedside, not one of them have ever asked for their things, not one of them have ever asked for money, not one of them have ever asked for all of those things. You know what they've asked for? They've asked for more time with their wife, or more time with their children, or more time with this, or more time with that. I wish I could. Our culture tells us opposite. Love God with all of our heart. We're going to look at this word this morning, Heritage. Heritage, an inheritance, an estate that passes from an ancestor to an heir by descent or course of law. That which is inherited, something possessed as a result of one's natural situation or birth. Psalms 127.3 says that this low children are a heritage of the Lord. Each of us leave a heritage to those in our families and those that are around us, but what is it? Every person in this room will leave a heritage. Period. For some of you, you might say, you might be able to raise your hand and say, you know what, my, my childhood was horrible. Guess what, your parents left you that heritage, a legacy. If it was great, your parents left you that. But today, I can change some of that. I can make a decision, I can make a choice where we're not going to do that any longer. I don't care if you're 75 or if you're 15. You can make that decision today. You may not be able to change anything that took place back then. But we have a choice to make in Christ where I'm going to say no more of this garbage and I'm going to be full in the, in the fullness of Christ. I'm going to live that way. I'm going to strive to love God with everything that I have. I can make that decision. We've looked at so many different things. And this morning, as we kind of bring all of these things together, really all that we've done over the last several weeks is look at what our family is, what is marriage, what does that look like according to God's word, not according to culture. Who are you as a man, who are you as a woman according to God's word, not according to culture. How do we disciple and rear up our families according to God's word. Not that I have to have my kids involved in every single thing inside of the world because everybody tells me that all of my children have to be in soccer and sports and this and that and they have to be the best pianist and they have to be the best dancer and the best gymnast and the best this because that's what our culture tells us. You've got to keep your kids busy in order to keep them out of trouble, right? That's what the culture tells us. That's not what God's Word says at all. And so we looked at all of those things. We looked at discipling. We looked at discipline. All of those things, as we do all of those things individually, allow us to come to a place where we are going to leave a godly heritage. And this morning, I'm just really going to wrap all of these things together. And I believe with everything in my being, this one thought. We could take it individually as a family. I'm going to use it as a whole. as kind of a, a broad statement. But I believe Oasis Baptist Church can see a great revival if we were to take serious the Word of God inside of our homes. I believe that with everything in me. If we as individual families, if my family, Mindy and I, were to take serious the Word of God inside of my home, and I would understand that my job as a father is to teach diligently the Word of God inside of my home, I believe that if we all were to do that, one, you would see revival in your home, but we would see revival in this church. God will move mountains. 
But it takes intention. It takes heart. It takes effort. It takes all kinds of things this morning. And so if you would go with me, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Once again, we're going to be in verse number 7. And we're going to go through verse number 9. And uh, my goal is to get you out of here on time. (laughs) It's just a good goal. It's one that I always set. Sometimes it happens. No, but Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 7, it says this. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. Father God, I pray that you would use your word to pierce hearts this morning, for it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to take these couple verses, 6, 7, 8, and 9, and I'm just going to pull out a couple thoughts, and uh, we're going to wrap all these things together this morning. My first thought is this. It says in verse number 7, teach them diligently. The first thought is this, just simply that, diligently. Nothing's going to be cute and fancy this morning, but diligently. Diligence is this, a steady application, constant in effort or exertion to accomplish something. This is a steady and earnest, energetic effort. This isn't just being busy, but this is intentional effort and energy. Matthew Henry, an old commentator, said this, Thou shalt wet them diligently upon thy children. So some read it frequently, repeated these things to do to. Uh, these things to them try all ways of instilling them into their minds and making them pierce into their hearts as in wetting a knife if you wet a knife what does it say what do you do you take that piece of leather you take your knife and you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth you're going to sharpen it he goes on to say this it is turned first on this side then on that be careful and exact in teaching thy children and aim as by wetting to sharpen them and put an edge upon them. Being diligent, again, something that we would do repeatedly, something that we would seek after, something that we would be striving for. It says in the one definition that it would be an energetic effort. What we've been talking about within our families is not just something that we do. Here's a major problem inside of our culture. More today, maybe than ever, I don't know, but a huge problem inside of our culture is this. We live and die based on nothing but our feelings. Emotions run our culture. Emotions run our culture. Don't vote for them. All they want to do is kill you. Don't vote for them. All they want to do is take this away from you. It's emotion. Because if I can get your emotion, then I can pull you to do what I want you to do. Being diligent as parents teaching the Word of God is not and cannot be an emotion. Because here's the reality. You will leave today, hopefully, you will leave encouraged. You will leave challenged. And you're going to go home to your kids, mom or dad, and you're going to be like, you know what, we're going to read the Bible together every single day for the rest of our lives. And then in three days, you're going to be tired and you're not going to wake up on time. Or the kids have been a pain in the neck. And you're like, you know what, just go to bed. We're going to bed tonight. Right? No one's ever done that but me. I'm sorry. No, but isn't that, we live on emotions. 
Man, I'm, I'm on a high. I'm going to read the Bible every day. And then all of a sudden, as the emotion wears away, it's just, you know, I'm a little bit tired this morning. I'm not going to wake up for church. Well, Johnny has a, has a stuffy nose, so you know what? It's probably better if we would all just stay home today because I would hate for somebody else to have a stuffy nose. Please, if your kid is sick, I get it. But here's what we do, and I'm not, I'm not the emotion runs off, and we're not diligent any longer. God's word says to teach them diligence. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, what does it say? Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when you what? Shall, shall, shall search. I'll learn how to speak. Shall search for me with all thy heart. All of these words, steadfast, unmovable, seek, search, those are words that are not a one-time thing. And we'll use the analogy. It's used all the time in churches, especially around these passages of Scripture. If one of my children goes missing, I'm not just going to be like, hey, I, hey, have you seen EJ? EJ went missing at the other property. What is it, 20 minutes? Playing hide-and-go-seek with himself, apparently kid was silent i was right beside him said nothing we were looking out at the street we were looking down the street we walked around the property that seven acres of property we walked we had people searching everywhere why because we couldn't find him and if he hadn't have shown back up in a at some point what would we have done we'd have called the police we just started searching more and guess what? I probably wouldn't have went to bed too, too, too easily that night if we still hadn't found him. We search diligently. Seeking is what this is talking about. And when we look at these things, am I diligent in teaching the Word of God to my children? Am I doing it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly? Am I seeking to know because that's what God would have me to do and I'm leading my family in such a manner that I am diligently teaching them the Word and the truths of God? Listen, here's what we do. A gymnast is five, seven, ten, I don't know how early they start. I know they start when they're like, before they walk, but a gymnast, somebody says, your son, your daughter is amazing. I really think she has potential. So we go and we hire a, a coach. That coach says, hey, I really think she's really good. She's got potential for the Olympics. She's got potential. He's got potential. And so what do we do next? We've got to go, we've got to send her We'll send her to the greatest of coaches. We'll send him to the greatest of coaches and they will spend 6, 8, 10, 12 hours in a boarding school for nothing but gymnastics. They are diligent in their craft. I played baseball, believe me. I played a lot of baseball. 100 plus games this summer. That's a lot of baseball for a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid. I played a lot of ball. I was diligent because I wanted to be great. Listen, we can be diligent in a lot of things. God's Word says diligently teach them the Word of God. What are those priorities? We have to guard that. We have to protect that. And we've taught through a lot of those things over the last several weeks. But we've got to be diligent within our home. Let me ask you this. What are you diligent inside of your home with? 
If your kids, if we were to ask your kids, what is the one thing that, that we know inside of our home? What is that? What is it? I know that dad yells a lot. I know that mom this. I know this. I know that. Sure, some of that would be funny. If we were to sit down with our family and go back through childhood memories, we're going to laugh a lot. We're going to remember things. Misty will say something. Jamie would say something. We're like, oh yeah, remember that time? Remember that time? But there's certain things that just pop out right at the front of my mind. One of them sitting around a piano, singing, being taken to church on a regular basis. We didn't miss a lot of church. There's things that are were diligent, they were important to our home. And those same things, what is it that is that we are diligent? Listen, my kids know who my favorite sports teams are. All of yours probably know who your favorite sports teams are. Right? Because we are excited about it. We talk about it. We wear it on our shirts. We put a hat on. We scream and yell when they, when they win or when they, whatever. We get upset when they lose, however that is. We are diligent. We are, there are certain things that they know. We have to keep those priorities in place. And I'm not saying that all of those things are bad. I've said that and I've, I'm not going back to that. It's good. Sports are good. Dance is good. Gymnastics are good. All of these things are, are good within context and within reason. But when those are the things that run your home, that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Diligent. God's word says, diligently teaching. Verse number 8, the next thought is this, is that they would be bound. In verse number 8 it says, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. That's bind them. Again, the truths, the commandments of God. That they would be bound. This here, I'm going to, I don't know how well you can see any of the pictures that I'm going to put up here. But this passage of scripture speaks of something that they took literally. And still to this day, there's a group of uh, Jewish folks that take very literal to this. This is a phylactery. If you have no idea what this is, you can look it up. But a phylactery, a phylactery it says there, what is it? Bound upon thine hand. And upon the frontlets between thine eyes. These guys took this so seriously that they, would, they made a box. And they would put it on their forehead. And on that forehead or on that box there was four different spots. And they would take a passage of scripture that spoke of the commandments and spoke of loving God. And they had it. And then it would be bound by leather. And it would go down the back of their neck. And it would come down their arm. And it would wrap around their arm all the way down through all of their fingers. And on their arm, you could see some of that. There was another one that was right on their arm that had two Places where they would put two passages of Scripture in there. And every morning, when they go into the temple and they do their prayers, they will do those things and they will recite those passages of Scripture and they will pray through some of those things as a reminder that the Word of God is upon the forehead, upon the mind, and the Word of God is to the hands. I don't know that this is the exact thought of that, but I can't help but think, Of our minds being an illustration that what comes through our minds goes out through my hands. And as I think it in my mind, as I, as I study, as I'm diligent in the Word of God, as I'm teaching my children to know God's Word, that they would have it upon their mind. And as they act throughout the day, that they would think through those things, that when they touch, when they act, when they do things, that it's a process from the mind to the hands.
a simple yet powerful thought. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9 says this. It's one that many of you know. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do from the mind to the hands and the God of peace shall be with you. Romans 12.2 And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind that you would prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Proverbs 4.23 Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In being diligent... We are teaching and showing our children. Just stop and think about this for just a moment. In Philippians 4, if the goal is to produce children who love God, what if at the earliest of stages of life, all that we did was to teach them the Word of God? And now when they're 7, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 17, whatever it is, as they're in our homes and we have uh, authority over them, I am teaching them because I want them to think on the things that are just and pure and honest and right and all of those. I want that. And from the earliest of days, all that we did was to teach them the Word of God. How much more natural is that going to flow? I'm not, I'm not creating robots. I'm teaching my children the Word of God, the truths of God's Word, that God's Word would be hidden in their heart. God's Word says what? If you hide in our heart that we might not sin against God. God's Word here says that we would think on these things. Think on the things that are true. Think on the things that are honest. I could, I'll be honest with you. If there was somebody at a young age that would have begun to push some of this stuff in my mind at an early, intentionally, I had great parents. I'm not going there. But if we would have had some of that, man, I can think on a few things in my life that may have been differently because it was instilled in me. These are the things that we think on. And when we think on these things, this is the action and this is the outcome. That we would think on these things. Keep thy heart with all diligence. It's something, again, it's a constant. It's a diligent thing that we would keep the word of God bound to our hearts, guiding our minds, guiding our hands. We are training the children to go out. It's the simple phrase. What do we say? What goes in will come out. What goes in will come out. Listen, I do not know. I don't know what my four children will be. I don't know. I don't know that all four of my kids would would grow up and serve the Lord with all of their heart. I don't know that they will. But I'm going to strive to the best of my ability to teach them and to show them that's what it is. My job, listen, some people look at me and they think, well, well, you're going to have past, your son's going to be a pastor. Listen, if my son raises up and he grows up and he desires to be a pastor at Oasis Baptist Church or whoever knows where else, praise God. But if my, my son desires to grow up and be a machinist like his grandfather, or if he desires to be an auto mechanic, or if he desires to be a lawyer, which I don't know that he would want to think there, but if he desires to be whatever he desires to be, if he desires to go to a mission field, 
praise God, my job, listen, I said this last week, my job as a parent is not to raise respectable children. My job as a parent is to groom them, to raise them in the nurture and admonition of God's word that they would fear God above all things. That is my task as a father. That is my task. Our culture has said, just raise good kids. Give them, make them good, good kids in society. Listen, I don't want my kid to be just good in society. I want them to fear God. That's what it should be about. Have I done that perfect? No. This series has been incredibly convicting. Incredibly convicting. Because I look back and I'm like, man... I really feel that we have good kids. I do. But I look and I think, man, I could have done this a little bit different here. My oldest will be 14 in two weeks. My second oldest will be 12 in two weeks. Two and a half, a week and a half, whatever it is. It's a busy birthday month in our home. 13, 16, 19. I'll take gifts. That way I can give to them at any... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I've missed out on a lot of those things. I can't go back. I mean, I can start today. We've, We've changed things in our home a little bit the last month. We have. Why? Because God's word has convicted me that I need to do more teaching of God's word inside of my home. And so we've done some of those things diligently, not only diligently, but that we would bind them on our hearts. And there's a lot of other things I could go there, but the last thought this morning is just simply this a godly heritage. Our heritage is important. And the question at the end of really this series is what is your heritage? Is our heritage going to be that we did all we could to produce the best athlete, to make sure that our children were straight-A students, to make sure that all of the things that the world tells us, that they, they've graduated with, uh, with honors in high school, or they, they made it to college, and they were the only ones to make it through college, or that they did this, or that they did that, and they were successful. Listen, I hope that my children are millionaires and that they pass that down or pass it up to their daddy. But you know what? If my child doesn't become a millionaire... And he loves God, praise the Lord. If my kids are not getting straight A's and they're not coming home with every A-plus perfect paper, listen, if my children go to school and they do their best and they come home with the B-plus or they come home with the B, I ask the teacher this, is my child respectable? Is my child honoring you as a teacher? Those are the things that are most important to me. Because what I'm teaching them at home I want them to play out when they leave my home. Listen, I hope my kids are great in school. If they take after their mother, it'll be a lot better. I do. But there's so many other things that are so much more important. Listen, I I watch kids get yelled at because their kid didn't get an A+. And if you're yelling at your kid because they didn't get an A+, that's not the biggest thing in the world. It's just not. If they beat themselves up, that's one thing. But if you as a parent, that's, that's I don't know what to say. That's a, that's a whole other thing. Because there's things that are bigger than that. There's things that matter. I know a lot of straight-A kids that are out there. You went to school with them too. 
But we've got to look at what is my heritage? I always thought that I'd love to have a boy and that I would coach him and I would teach him and he would just be a, a mini Aaron jock. And then I had three girls. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can't teach. I just, you know, you guys, you just want that boy. We're going to be tough. I'm going to beat him up. You know what? It wasn't too long after Madison was going through and four, five, six years old. And I was like, you know what? You know, she eventually played some basketball and she played volleyball. She finished her first season as a freshman in high school uh, playing on the varsity volleyball team and proud of her. She is a good little athlete. But you know what? I think she's a better individual than she is an athlete. And if all I would have ever done was just to say how important all of these sports are, Listen, not all my kids like sports. Riley could care less about a ball. She could care less. You put a horse in front of her, that's a whole other story. You put an animal in front of her, that's a whole other story. Do you know what her dad doesn't care for? Animals. I give two rips. I'm sorry for those of you that love them. I don't care. I just don't have a heart for animals. I'm not going to be rude to them and nasty, but I just, I don't. She loves animals, lives and dies at the horses. It's not my job to vicariously live through my children. I'm glad that EJ loves a ball, and you can give him any kind of ball, and he's happy for a long time. He's now getting into that stage as a second grader where some of the boys at his school that he goes to school with, he'll come home and he'll talk about how he was playing football in the backyard and how he made this catch and he juked this boy out and he juked that boy out. And I'm like, man, I love that. All, that's like all day. Let's, let, we do that all day. But I can't live through my son. Man, I hope he's the professional athlete because that was always my goal. I can't live through him. My heritage is not whether my son is a professional athlete or my children are, are athletes. My heritage needs to be a godly heritage. And I'm glad that they can play sports. Sports has taught me so many things in life. But my world doesn't revolve around sports. I've been blessed because of a godly heritage that my children taught or my parents taught me to love God to the best of their ability. And as we look at this passage of scripture, it says that we would, in verse number nine, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Listen, as we go through all of these things, looking at the heritage, I'm not telling you, and this isn't telling you that uh, you have to have scripture posted all over your home. And all the art in your house has to have Bible verses on it. And uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. doesn't have to be like right when you walk in the door. But here's what this is saying. If we are teaching diligently our children, and we are, if God's Word is the, the principal piece of our home, every person that walks through those doors will know that God's Word is the principal piece of your home. 
when you walk into my house, we don't have a perfect house. It's not the biggest house on the block. It's not the best house, but here's what I pray it is. I pray when you walk in, it's a safe place. It's a comfortable place. It's a place that you know is loved. It's a place that you feel cared for, that you feel exalted to some regard, that you are, you are in a place that is filled with God's love. It was about three weeks ago, we were fortunate enough, we had all the ladies from the Refuge for Women come to our home, and we just had dinner on a Wednesday night. And there was six of the ladies, and then plus one of the workers was there. And I was so nervous because I didn't want them to come in and feel like they were being paraded around, like they were up on some, we needed to know all of their story, and we needed to know all of these things. And so we were, we were going back and forth. Do we play games with them? Do we do this with them? Do we that with them? And we just opened our home, and as they came in, and they, we told them, they, you know, they saw our shoes on, and none of us had shoes. Oh, we got to take our shoes off. Man, you, you don't need to take your shoes off. Make yourself at home. Sit down on the couch. Be at home. We ended up doing nothing that we had kind of thought we might do. They fell in love with our girls. They jumped on a trampoline. We had a fire in the backyard, and we had a s'mores. We pulled out the dog. We do have a dog. The dog came out, and it was just, it was comfortable. I'm sure they may say some of these things to every person that comes, but they thanked us, and they said this was our favorite guest home. I'll promise you it wasn't because we were the best hosts. We're really not great hosts. I'm not somebody that just wants to throw, when you come over, it's not a big party. I want to sit down on the couch and just chat. That's just who I am. But I pray that when they came, that they felt comfortable, that they felt safe, that they knew the love of God, not because we're really great people, not because we're we're a I'm a pastor, but because the word of God is 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 alive in our homes because it's alive in us. God's Word says so many different things about leaving those legacies. It says in Psalms 145, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. 2 Timothy 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. We are to take it from what we have and we are to give it to the next. And we are to build and have and leave a godly heritage. This morning I want to leave you with something that I don't care if you have little babies in the house or if all your babies are gone i want to challenge you with something this is something that we have talked about and we're going to begin to start in our own home i've just been convicted over this i've i've read some of these things in a couple books and i'll give you all that information if you want that but i've just been convicted as to how we can do better in our home to teach the word of god and i want to throw a couple things out to you and hopefully they'll help you as we kind of conclude the service this morning but One of the things that has been extremely convicting is I have, you can ask Dan, I've probably read more in the last month than I have in the year that he's been here. I've done a lot of reading on different books from family and things of that nature, obviously using scripture. But one of the things that has jumped out at me is a pastor wrote in a book, and he wrote on family worship. He wrote on family worship. And inside of their home, the, one of the greatest things that impacted their home the most was they began to read the Bible together, they began to pray together, 
and they began to sing together. Some of you might go, ah, time out. No music's getting sung out of this voice. I don't know. But I want us to stop and think. What if we were to begin to literally just have a church service for 10, 15, 20 minutes inside of your home with your family? Where you open up God's Word. If you don't know anything else to do because you're, you're like, this is foreign, this is all new to me, maybe you would grab a proverb Start at the beginning of the month and go through. And Proverbs, as a family, you're going to read the book of Proverbs together. Every month, we're going to go through it. And we're going to pray together. And if you can't sing, we're going to find a song and we're going to play it on the radio. But together, you're just going to, you're going to have a little family worship. Just, just think of this. What if you were to set a time and you were going to say, this is going to happen once a week, every day, Three times a month, I don't know. You're going to keep it simple. Make it natural because it's your home. But think of what this would do to our families. Think of the training that you would give your kids. Think of the godly foundation and the godly traditions and the godly heritage that would be to our children. And how it would open our hearts spiritually to what God would have our home to be. Listen, I don't know where you sit within your homes this morning. I believe with everything in me, our society is out to destroy your home. Whether that's a husband and wife, if you're a single parent in this room, regardless of what it is, the, the, the devil wants to destroy your home. Where the home goes, the church goes. The society goes. It's a trickle-down effect. And I want to just, I want to beg you this morning. Would you stop? Think about what is the heritage that's being left inside of your home? When was the last time together you read Scripture? When was the last time you genuinely had a time together as a family? We pray every night. But believe me, more times than we should have, it's, all right, whose turn is it to pray? Let's pray. Let's go to bed. I mean, we genuinely sit down and we're going to pray. And I'm going to say, Riley, how was your day? Or whatever that would be. And we're going to pray for one another. What is the heritage being left in your home? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.